the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. to another edition of the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and Rachel Gardner, who's not me. That's wonderful. I was waiting for one. I was actually playing with the uh, the threads on my jeans because I was just like, I'm not going to leave my contact because I'm, I'm going to wait for him to pose me a really interesting question. So I was just pay, playing with a frayed fabric on my denim. Strong start. Strong start. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk today... Uh, about a very interesting uh, sort of topic as we explore this season's theme of youth work in the new normal, which even as we've recorded this and journeyed through uh, the season has shifted, even what that means. Um, But we're going to look at what it's been like uh, in different denominational contexts to process uh, the last few months and seasons um, and uh, and also kind of um, what it might look like to look forward uh, in those different denominations. So we've got a few great guests to get to and we won't spend too long wittering before we get there. <laughs> but Rachel, I thought it would be interesting for us to uh, just plot our denominational journeys because I think we are of the generation and, our, and we're mm, now we're in an older uh-huh, generation, yeah. of course, but we're of a generation that um, those above us would have very much stuck to a denominational tribe and, and we haven't done no. that. And a lot of our peers haven't done that. That's such an interesting point. And also anybody outside of the Christian community, this is the piece of the language that makes really no sense, no doesn't sense it? At all. The denominational bit. You're like, what what are you talking about? So I so I think you're right. My parents' generation would have moved denominations because of something horrendous, like a split yes. or some kind of doctrinal disagreement or something. Whereas I think I do really feel our generation, for whatever reason, are, are, are seeking a church. Maybe it's more around what this what the church looks like, the kind of the, the vogue of worship or the kind of emphasis on certain things. So it's less about doctrinal, like the kind of the ten things that you sign up to more about how does this feel does this feel like a church where where i can kind of grow so um sh- sh- so shall we mark our plotted denominational history that yes would be interesting. Think, would it be interesting for us do you think our listeners will find this interesting? i think we should and I, I think it is interesting <laughs> but we're both in our early very early 40s mm-hmm, we are very early 40s and um and so i'm gonna break the fourth wall and I'm going to do something which I haven't been I haven't been given oh, permission to do this, but she's got a face. microphone in yes. front of her and face. She's not in her forties; she's younger. So for the first time, just so you're prepared, I think we're going to get producer Amy on the new look yes! you get podcast. Yes! She's she's worried about it. Are you about she, to press the button? Her finger is lingering. She's pressed the button. The mic. Hello, Amy. Hello. Yes. Here she is. <laughs> right. We'll come to you. We'll come to you last because I want to know yeah. how, how it's different. But mm-hmm. so have a think about different churches or denominations you've been part of. Mm-hmm. What's yours, Rachel? Right, so Baptist and then hanging free, just free evangelical, free, not sure where it's hanging free. Oh, well, I just am not sure You've where it's from. You've made it sound from. cooler. Yeah, but than just it is. free, independent, probably not for very good reasons. Um, then Church of England and now very much Church of England, but still oh. absolute charismaniac. Ah, but you've always, so the thread there is sort of charismatic. I would say charismatic and community driven. So I would say I, it's not community church on its own. It's not charismatic. It's, there's something about the two together. Right. Possibly. Well, I came to faith in a Baptist church, mm-hmm. a bit of a powerhouse in the 1980s and 90s, wasn't it? The Baptist yeah. church. Uh, and then I have flitted between Anglican 
And uh, oh, I went to a former Brethren church. Oh, actually, I did as well. I went to a Brethren church yeah. for a bit, yeah. And then I went back to Anglican. And then I went to the vineyard, spent a few brilliant years in a vineyard church, which I absolutely loved. Uh, and then when I moved to my current home area, there wasn't a vineyard near there. So I went to the local Church of England because it is a broad church. Mm-hmm. There's always a flavor of, of Anglicanism available mm-hmm. that you can connect with. So I'm not sure if there is any thread to mine at all. Local? Was that ever in your thinking? Did it have to be you moved no, to an area? No, I used to drive for an okay. hour to the vineyard, okay. but I couldn't drive for an hour and a half to the vineyard. Mm. So... You know, so yeah, no, there isn't really a common thread except a sort of gentle charismatic, but not too, not too, not like wacky. I've never been comfortable in a wacky church. Oh, you will be more Lord. <laughs> Amy, producer. Martin. Amy. So we, the old people have spoken. The younger generation now gets the microphone. Oh, I like that. I'm the younger generation. Absolutely. I'm still young. So what's your journey been? Um, I'd say mainly non-denom. Oh. <laughs> And then recently, Church of England, yeah, Anglican Church. But it's quite um, low Anglican. I mean, I've never been part of a church that really uses like loads of liturgy or anything like that. So, but I, funnily enough, when I come across that, I really enjoy it. I think because I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with very charismatic, very sort of non-traditional, I guess. So anytime I'm in a church setting, where they use liturgy and it's a lot more formal. I actually quite enjoy it. Yes, I've heard a few people say that yeah. recently, actually. They're enjoying discovering liturgy for the first time. So can you speak as the voice of your generation for a moment? Okay, so you are, I believe, in your 20s. Mm, very late you 20s, You are still Martin. in your 20s. Um, so do you Just think... do you hanging th- in there. Do you think there's, a, there's any sense in people in their 20s getting into a tribe and sticking to it or and people much more fluid if they move town would they just go oh I'll try all the churches um well I think funnily enough that does depend yeah for a lot of my peers or the people I grew up with it depends what area they're in the people the group I think it feels a lot about as Rachel was saying do do I fit in at this church you know is it a good community is it somewhere I can be involved but I'd say that from my experience that's within the like protestant side of things i guess that does happen but if you've grown up in a catholic family for example i think it's you're less likely to be like oh i'm just gonna i don't know (laughs) i guess what i'm trying to say is um in terms of the being quote unquote fluid in denominations and in this generation i think it does depend what you've grown up in what your circles Mm. are i do sometimes wonder in this day and age what the purpose of denominations are i do sometimes wonder how significantly different they are and does that matter and and what do they contribute and is it a little bit more confusing for young people who are kind of trying to work out whether they want to believe you know whether faith is plausible full stop and then you've got this whole tribal thing but then i notice on a very pragmatic level that that the young people that i've worked with for years over 20 years um actually really enjoy the variety and if they're asking massive questions of faith and they've grown up in one particular denomination moving to a different church in the area I think sometimes is actually what saves them Mm. and and if there wasn't that option I wonder if they would say well this is the only expression of church Mm. this is it I'm either in or I'm out and and so I think I've did over the years been chatting to youth workers that say actually we're quite comfortable they come to us one week and they go to the the Friday night youth event at the Baptist church and they come to the Sunday morning at the Anglican church and they're part of the free methodist outreach because i think actually it offers young people a rich diversity mm. of of the fact that none of us have the monopoly 
on actually how we're supposed to do this. Yeah. But in our beautiful diversity, things are shaped in, in, in different ways because of what we think is sort of more of an important leaning. So I, I think there will always be space for that. But I think what we're going to see increasingly is the nominations that are excited about reaching the next generation will thrive. Mm. And those that are more committed to their way of doing things structurally will, will really struggle, I think. I, I mean, that's just a little, a little hunch yeah. of mine, really. Yeah, and there's beauty in there the diversity beauty. There of is. the church. There and, the, you know, people can get a bit hung up on the the, the, the dark side of denominationalism. And well, the, the fact tribalism that, in the yeah. past where you wouldn't cross the road and talk to somebody in different yeah. that's not good. No, that's not good. it's awful. It breaks but, Jesus' heart. But diversity is beautiful. So I wondered whether we could ask for a bit of audience participation. How? And so I um, I wondered whether if you follow us on social media, probably Twitter, is my uh, my favourite version of this, but you could do it on Instagram or uh, you could probably do it on Facebook if you want, just no one would see it. Um, I'd love people to plot their denominational journeys. Oh, so beautiful. if you're if you're listening to this, you can tag us in the post and then just give just us a list. a list of the different. So things. not the names of the churches. Yeah, we don't want to know which churches you're part of, That's which rotors thing. you were on, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> levels of eldership that you achieved. <laughs> Um, but if you could tell us like what your route was, I would be really interested to know um, like where, where our listeners have gone. Because my hunches were all much more free yes. flowing. Yes. Than we were. There's a mixture of lots of those yeah. free falling. Because actually probably what we'll have is we'll have like just this wonderful list of Baptist, Brethren, Free Methodist, Church of England. That, a real celebration actually of what it takes. It's a question of what does it take to raise a disciple? It takes all of us. It takes all of us, doesn't it, to raise a disciple? So yes, let's do it. Why are you frowning at me? That's just, a beautiful. I, I just saw the passion. Of, yeah, I saw, I saw the passion just leak leaking out of you. Then you're <laughs> leaking passion. Leaking passion. Yes, let's. I'm going to be doing that. That is absolutely wonderful. And I am excited because on the, on the podcast today we do have people who have responsibility for like not just like you and me, Martin, are responsible for a few young people. These people have responsibility for lots of churches, lots of congregations within their denomination. And yes. I guess. You know, actually, at this time, it must be so difficult to be in a position of leadership for a denomination where you're, you know, you're looking at churches across a wide geographical area. Stuff is so difficult. I wonder what at the moment what that is like to be leading in that context. Shall we get into the interview? Let's find out. So this is first up. Uh, we're meeting Stephen Mitchell uh, and his context is the United Reformed Church. And he helps oversee lots of youth work in the Northwest, particularly. So let's uh, check out what happened when we chatted to him. So, Stephen, your, um, tell us about your job, first of all. What's your, what's your role with the United Reformed Church? I'm the Children and Youth Development Officer for Mersey Synod, which covers Liverpool, Chester, West Lancashire and the Isle of Man. These are quite hard questions, I think. But as a, as a sort of general picture, what's it been like for uh, volunteers and paid staff who are working with young people in those contexts that you look after? How are they... How are they feeling? How have they been processing the last six, seven months? And how have they been trying to get things going again? Really difficult. And, and I think it shows the disparity between churches that rely on volunteers and, and churches that have paid staff. Those that have paid staff have been able to continue to do something. Those with volunteers have just really struggled. Anything more than, than a phone call or a text 
to try mm. and keep things going. So there's a real worry for a lot of them that when they do feel comfortable, because a lot of the volunteers then are in the vulnerable categories because of their age, so that there's a real worry that when they can start again, will there be any children and families still coming? And so that's a, a real issue. For, for paid workers, I think that the biggest issue, and I was speaking to a worker last week, that they're only planning things for maybe two or three weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. they, they can't really plan much beyond that because they don't know the current situation. So obviously, I'm sure you would have been in those similar circumstances where you, you kind of plan an autumn term, probably till at least Christmas time, with, with topics and things you might be choosing to do. But you really can't plan that far in advance. And, and I think as well, you, the, those paid have have lost those summer rhythms that they would normally have. So some of that downtime, mm -hmm. going to festivals with the young people, taking them out of their context, all of that has been lost. And so for a lot of workers, they feel it's just been nonstop for seven months. They haven't had that Sabbath. They haven't had that rest. And, and so they've just gone straight back into a new term, having not had any break. Mm. And, and how has it been for you as, as somebody who you're not just thinking about young people in, in one church, in one context, you're thinking about these 65 churches in, in, in tier three all across uh, the Northwest. How, how has that been for you over a very long lockdown and then who knows for how much longer? What's that been like for you, Stephen? Felt very disengaged from from the churches and 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 from the volunteers and the workers. So that's been really hard. I don't live in the synod, which is just the URC's version of a diocese or or district. So I've always felt a little out, but even more so because I'm not able to to be close to that. But it it, it relies so much more on volunteers returning phone calls, returning emails when I'm trying to support. So before I could I could go and visit the church and, and, and see people, whereas I, I just I can't do that. And so some of those relationships are are, are kind of falling apart uh, a little bit. And, mm. and and so that's that's really difficult because I can see I guess long term what, what will happen if if they can't engage and don't engage with with young people. And, and it's trying to get that message and that that's not always easy to do. Mm. I, I can really hear it in your voice, just the heartbreak, really, that disengagement, both that you feel and that disconnection from, from the churches. You, you said something so tantalising earlier, Steve, when I was being a little bit facetious about the whole cinema thing and I was rolling my eyes about Ian Martin and my husband also is a massive film buff and I was rolling my eyes. But then you said, actually, for you, it's a thin place. Cinema's a thin place. That was tantalising. Could you could you say a little bit more about that and and leader to leader? Now that you, you don't access cinema, have you found a new thin place where you can bring lots of this sense of disconnection and find a deeper connection? What's that look like for you? Wow. Uh, I'm not sure if I have found that. It's not quite the same as watching films at home. Mm. It, definitely not. I think done a lot more walking and, and, and trying to get out more to, to local parks and things like that. So I think... And that that cheesy sense of of, of nature, <laughs> I think, has helped me. And I know that's probably a lot of people would say that, but but for me, that that's probably been helped a little bit 
of not having cinema, being able to to engage with parks and trees and grass. That's that's definitely helped. I don't think that's cheesy. No, Stephen. I think that. I mean, that's. I, um, now I'm going to do that thing where I quote from scripture, which is very I rare. You're going to cry. It's very That's rare. <laughs> it's very rare on the podcast that I quote from scripture. But th- there's Get that ready. verse in the uh, first chapter of Romans, isn't there, about you know God essentially um, making nature yeah. so that we're sort of without excuse because, like, when you are faced with the majesty mm. of creation and you get out into nature and you get beyond the uh, the buildings, maybe, and you get out and just see like the just the the hills and the the trees that have been there for hundreds of years and that and you start to understand the sort of ecosystems mm. you do get this sense of like the bigger picture and i think right now that is incredibly that, incredibly we? helpful so i don't think that's cheesy at all i have exactly the same experience and i think lockdown where we could just get out for an hour a day mm. that was like how most of us stayed sane yeah. And what, well, of course, of course it is. Of course, yes. that's how we stayed sane. Stephen, I mean, as a long-term listener to the podcast, um, Martin made a commitment at the beginning of this season that he would not ever mention what I'm wearing. I have deliberately today put on the, what I feel is quite an outrageous shirt, and he's not yet mentioned it. Nope. I was, it was deliberate. I'm like, I'm going to give him something that he will just find very hard nope. not to. He's not going to do it. Not going to do oh, it. Oh, Stephen, I was hoping that your presence would, with us would would draw. You know, he's not going to do it, is he? No. Nope. It is the most ridiculous, enormous animal print shirt. Get it's garish and it's volumeless. I mean, it's, it goes on for a very long time. I have big sleeves. I have puffed shoulders. Stephen, I'm glad you're still with us. Yeah, he's probably hung up. <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't know you. I'm wearing a mankini. <laughs> nice. And nice. I've not mentioned that. <laughs> Do you want to ask Stephen any more intelligent questions? Well, I just, I, I am interested in your perspective, um, Stephen, on the whole online, uh, offline hybrid stuff. So I imagine as a, um, in, in the role that you're, you're in looking after lots of churches, you'll be getting a lot of questions about this and you'll have to be doing some thinking about this. I wonder where you've landed on the, the the value the merits of online youth work and and still maybe keeping some of that in what we do going forward versus the need to try to get face to face with young people as much as possible mm. what's your perspective yeah no i i think going forward there has to be both i think and it's been talked about before and and, and on this podcast as well that idea of being online for it's it's helped become more inclusive for maybe young people that couldn't get to to the physical place for whatever reason that might be and and so it's helped to bring people in that may not have engaged before and I think there could be a danger if everything went back to just a physical meeting we could lose that I think as well it's helped to to bridge that gap between youth work and, and the family home because the the work is actually taking place then in people's homes mm-hmm. I think intergenerational work particularly within the URC, I think has has increased because of that, because you're ultimately engaging then with parents and siblings far more than than maybe the workers were before. And 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 so I think I think there are some positives as well as all of the negatives uh, mm. that there have been. I, I think there's some real positives within that are definitely around intergenerational work and and being more inclusive. And is that a focus for you sort of going forward, the the you know, now that you've actually had some green shoots there, maybe in terms of the intergenerational stuff, is that something you think you might focus more? And it sounds like actually that's already a real priority for the for the URC. Yeah, definitely. That's something we've we were trying to push before lockdown, and 
met some resistance, but I, but I think now churches are, are far more on board with it. I think for us as well, Forest Church and the idea of, of having services outside has always been a heart of the URC and, and COVID has, has pushed that more because, well, now we, we, in theory you could do services outside if you can't do them inside. Mm. And, and having children and adults and young people and young adults all, all together outside having a service for a number of churches is working really well. This is very interesting. I feel like a theme is emerging well, here. My daughter's school, um, the local church has started doing forest forest church. Mm. And they, yeah, they, we had a little email home. So I'm, I'm excited. I was like, oh, I think I know what that might be, but I'm not sure. That sounds fun. Can you shed some light? Yeah, well, we did, we did some webinar training with some churches just to, to chat it through. It's, it, it's, what it's not, and I think the danger it could be, is just doing a service outside. And it, it's very different. To, it's not just taking exactly what you would do where you sing some songs and you have a preach and then you do that outside. It's very much about engaging with the themes of, of nature, of, mm. of creation, and, and using the materials that are outside. So, again, it's not about bringing paper and pens and, and, and using all the stuff you would normally use inside and using that outside. It's about using the mud, using the leaves, using the trees and, and, and finding ways of looking at those things and being challenged by those things and, and play being a big part of that and allowing children, young people and adults to, to have messy play outside as well as part of the service. Oh, that's awesome. That's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Rachel. Yes, Martin. I know that wasn't a very long interview, but I, I had enough time to nip out and buy myself uh, the first eggnog latte of the year. Oh, I, do you know, I had these hairs on the back of my neck. I just know when you're getting close to a barista with that <laughs> intent. I know it. <laughs> I love it. So cheeky. Please we, keep that well away from me. We've talked about this before. I realised... Devil's drink. Well, when people are in, like, I feel a bit shamed. I feel like eggnog shamed because I'm, I'm in the uh, queue at said coffee shop, and they, they, they call the 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 name of the drink out, and everyone stares at me like I've got some sort of sickness. Well, I think you do, and I think now is the intervention. So Amy and I are now leaning socially appropriately closer. And we're looking you in the eyes and we're saying, what deep, dark thing happened to you in the past that means eggnog is your Christmas drink of choice? I mean, it's bordering on the Grinch. I mean, we've I nearly, got to <laughs> I nearly drowned in, in eggnog when I, was, uh, <laughs> when I was a small boy. There we go. That's what um, We've got a lot to get through, haven't we? I'm we sorry do, about so that. Let's get on with it. Come on. <laughs> um, so our next guest uh, is a brilliant uh, guy who I've only recently got to know and I've just learned about all the amazing um, youth work I know you've known him for a little bit longer um, but there's some amazing youth work going on in a denomination called the New Testament Church of God Uh, and so this is what happened when I met Marcel Simpson so uh, Reverend Marcel Simpson thank you for um, spending a bit of time to talk to me um, your role, obviously, you're heading up uh, youth ministry across a huge denomination um, that many of our listeners might not be familiar with, uh, the New Testament Church of God. Um, it's actually quite 
big, isn't it? The New Testament Church of God. Like how many churches is it? And give us a sight, a sense of the scale of of the operation. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, yeah. We're looking at um, maybe a hundred and something churches. Uh, I think uh, maybe hundred and thirty, hundred and thirty. Uh, you know, local churches across England and Wales. And what what does youth ministry look like in the average church? Uh, in that, I mean, I'm, I presume not all of them do work with young people, but what is what is what is the some of the shape of youth ministry across the denomination? I mean, uh, it's it varies. You know, as you can imagine, it varies, uh, but it's 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 quite vibrant. Um, youth ministry uh, is uh, we, we're looking at there's Sunday school, uh, there's youth church, uh, there are youth days. Um, different programs, uh, conventions, um, that kind of that kind of stuff uh, takes place across the board. But um, it, it 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 really each local church kind of has its own identity um, in terms of what youth ministry looks like for them. So we have we have a national um, you know kind of youth department of which I you know kind of sits over. Um, it's really just giving guidance to the local churches um and the district so maybe three three four five six churches would end up forming a district so we'll have a local leader over each church and then we'd have a district leader um, over four or five churches uh, so you get things happening at local level and then you get stuff happening at district level and then uh, maybe two or three times for the year you get something happen at national level where we kind of all just uh come come in together um, but yeah in terms of what that looks like on the ground it really does vary uh, we're talking about church services um, where young people are in total control of the service along with their youth leader um, to plan and deliver um, so youth singers youth worship team youth musicians um, young people responsible for so if you imagine a typical church service and everybody who does everything so that but just all young people doing that sounds fantastic i'd like to go to yeah. that church <laughs> yeah. so you um you, you pre-covid um you had these big gatherings and you'd bring together quite a lot of young people and their leaders uh yeah. once a year or more than more than once a year kind of nationally yeah so we so we have we have the the um our national convention uh, for the children and young people that happens once a year um, we get um, you know in excess of, of uh, you know maybe 2,000 young people and children together um, you know in, 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 in one arena uh, then we have we have a, a smaller uh, gathering um, which is more intimate like a camp more like a camp meeting yeah um, and that we usually have about 120 um come together um at one of the pioneer centers um across 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 the country to you know do all of that all of that stuff in a more intimate kind of kind of manner yeah across all of that stuff it's very hard to put you on the spot but you know you're the man kind of heading this up you know what is your hope for young people as they come through church as children and then teenagers you know what is your hope for them in terms of um you know what develops in them well, for me, it's quite simple. It's 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 about identity in Christ. It's about it's about knowing who you are, 
Um, I remember when I came into the church, I mean, I, I came in quite late. You know, I came in at, you know, 18, nearly 19. Um, and I, I remember meeting an old mother and, you know, she was insisting at the time, you know, me, it's important that you know who and whose you are. And, you know, those words just kind of stuck with me. And, I, and, and, I, and looking back at it, if, if young people, for me, if young people find and form their identity in Christ, that's them set for life. You know, wherever, wherever they go, whatever field they end, in, they end up in, their identity in Christ determines all, all of that. So now we'll get honest bankers. You know what I mean? And we'll get honest lawyers and, 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 and good teachers and good, because they're rooted and grounded in, 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 in Christ. You know, they know who they are. So that, that is my hope right across the board from the time they're coming as, as little children to Sunday school to the time they, you know, go off to university and whatever, you know, that they, they know who they are in Christ. Yeah. You have absolutely nailed absolutely what I think is the key and core of youth ministry. So we are, we are in agreement, Marcel, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, so obviously COVID is here. Uh, we know that. Um, you kind of did some stuff online nationally quite early on which was like phenomenally success successful i've watched some of it and some of the young people that you have kind of involved in in some of the online stuff has been amazing so you just want to tell us a little bit about what happened and and just tell us about all the people that seem to log on and find it <laughs> yeah so so we um so our national convention was scheduled for it's usually the first bank holiday in may that tends to sometimes that's like two days in April, one day in May, or just May. Um, uh, so we, we were all set for that, you know, we were all set for that. And then obviously COVID and lockdown came in and uh, we had to cancel all physical events. So, you know, between my, my team, you know, and I, and we, we sat and we talked about what we could do. And, you know, we were just saying, look, over the weekend, we would just maybe just send out some encouragement to the young people, just post a few videos here, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, just here or there, you know, and then one of the members just said, well, what if we just did the convention online? Like, what do you mean? Like, just do it online. I mean, we, we, we don't have the time to, do, oh, who said the event's cancelled? So, do you know what I mean, there's no, there, nobody's looking forward to the event on the weekend, you know? And so we, we literally just came together and I think it might, I think it might've been four to six weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. Four to six weeks. Uh, it was, it was all hands on decks, late nights, um, early mornings, that kind of stuff. And everybody just come together because we'd never done anything like this before. Um, you know, there was excitement um, around it. You know, people were intrigued by it. Uh, some people were nervous, you know, <laughs> what if it fails kind of thing. Um, and yes, so we, we did that and, you know, the reach was, the reach was tremendous. Uh, there were people logging in uh, from the Americas, from in the Caribbean, other parts of Europe, um, in Africa. You know, it was, yeah, it was, we're in, if we'd had our event, our physical event, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how many of these people would have been able to travel and to be there. Yeah. But the fact that our event was online, um, you know, they were able to access it um, and the feedback that we've received from it, uh, you know, is really, really positive. Um, you know, even some of the people were a little bit nervous about it. 
um, you know, they confessed um, to how, how, you know, how blessed they were by it. And to see the innovation, um, you know, in something like that. Yeah, we were really proud. Uh, but, you know, we've kind of set ourselves, uh, you know, kind of set ourselves up um, now, you know, to, to, to follow that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to follow that. Marcel, you're, yeah. being, very, you're being very modest because I know that you had enormous numbers of people and probably the biggest event, online event I've heard of. But we won't go into specific numbers. But just interesting yeah. what you said there and um, something we were talking about actually before we started recording this. Um, you're in this interesting position of trying to innovate and pioneer in quite a traditional context, mm. quite a traditional denomination, very sincere, committed churches and Christians who have done things a certain way for a long time. What is that like having to try to be the innovator <laughs> in, that, in that movement? Um, well, uh, no, in all, in, in all truth, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, it's a great challenge because like you, 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 you highlighted, um, these, these are sincere people. These are sincere Christians who have, uh, you know, believed in a model and have followed the model and uh, in their, it's worked for them uh, kind of thing. Um, you know, but now we've got to this junction, we've got to this point um, where I'd say it's, 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 it's quite difficult uh, you know, uh, and I'd say maybe there's a wrestling happening, uh, you know, there's a, there's a wrestling happening because you have, um, you know, this new generation of, 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 and I wouldn't just say young people, but just of people uh, who are saying, right, yeah, we, that model worked then, uh, you know, but, but, but things have changed now. And, 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 and so um, we need to also change with things but it's how you handle that yeah it's how you handle that and 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 for me it's 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 quite a delicate position and place to be in because i have the utmost respect uh you know for my my elders and for the work that they have done to get this church to where it has gotten to uh, do you know what i mean and i recognize that there are there are other places that this church can get to by doing things differently but I still have to appreciate that this might take time to, to do and, and, and that there has to be, because if, if the, if the elders are not convinced about what you're trying to do and what you, or where you're trying to go, you never get there. You, you know what I mean? You, you never get there. So it's, it's, it's kind of maybe winning hearts and minds. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, um, to get this, to get this move, just to try and convince and, and some, and the online convention that we did, um, that went some way, uh, you know, to convincing some people, uh, you know, that that the direction that we're trying to go to is, is, is a positive one and is a good one. You know, the message that, 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 you know, that I'm sending and that we're trying to send is that, you know, the same God who, 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 who kept you during those difficult moments that, because you have to understand what, what we're coming from. I'm talking about people, Windrush generation, people coming here from the Caribbean and going to some of our traditional churches and being told guys listen we like you but please don't come back next week kind of thing do you know what i mean and out of that experience forming their own churches if you like um and then and then building that and then getting to the the, the place nowhere they would not want to see that just kind of just thrown away or just kind of go down the drain like that so it's so you know you understand it's it's yeah. very delicate and, and for me i'm prepared to you know, I'm prepared to work with 
uh, you know, to be patient and, and to be able to, to show to our seniors and to our leaders that um, the same intention that you had when you started is the same intention I have and that we have you know, in terms of where we are. It just means that it just it's just that it has to be done a little bit differently. You know, come and see. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's in a long-winded kind of way that's yeah, that's kind of such a great interview Martin I just love it whenever I hear leaders talk about how vital it is to connect to help young people connect their lived experiences with with the gospel with faith mm. and being open to sort of working with young people and, and raising them up as leaders I guess I mean you're all over that aren't you I mean, how did you mm. feel how do you feel when you hear other leaders express it like that yeah I think what I loved about uh, talking to Marcel was he's absolutely got a passion for uh, the next generation. And actually, I felt like I was talking to a kindred spirit on so many things. Yeah. But I also really heard something I'd never heard before, which is the need to understand the older generation and where they're coming from, particularly, mm. particularly in his context, where these kind of some of the people in his churches are, are literally the Windrush generation. Mm -hmm. And they were excluded from churches and then built a model of church and are now being told now you've got to change and innovate i i totally had i don't think i'd ever thought about that before shamefully uh, and it's made me think about it in a whole new way that's extraordinary so much this is so good and uh, just when you think gentle listener that we may be at the end of the podcast we're not buckle up we have one more guest just to blow this all open even further so martin would you like to introduce who's the third person that we spoke to Oh, we have gone all around the church today. So we began in the United Reformed Church, and and then uh, and then we moved into the New Testament Church of God. And just for uh, another twist, we are heading on into the Catholic Church now. Yeah. Uh, and a wonderful, wonderful, um, charismatic Catholic who will introduce herself brilliantly in the interview. Uh, this is Pippa Baker. Well, I'm joined now by my friend Pippa Baker and I'm going to introduce you as my friend Pippa Baker because we we just had a long discussion about how we should introduce you and so I've decided that what I'll do is I'll ask you to introduce yourself Pippa. So so who are you and what do you do? Hello Martin it's great to be here with you. Um, my name is Pippa Baker. I work full-time as a missionary within the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And that basically just means that I work with Catholics all around the country, particularly young Catholics, helping them grow in faith. And um, I'm involved in leading something called One Hope Project as well, which is a, a worship collective for young Catholics. And we're, um, we try and encourage spirit-filled creative worship. So yeah, it takes me all over doing lots of different things and I love it. Now, I don't expect you to be able to speak with authority for the entirety <laughs> of the Catholic Church. Thank you. Uh, I can breathe a sigh of relief then. <laughs> there's like a, bi a billion people in that. So that's yes. that's probably unfair. But um, but sort of just thinking, first of all, before COVID, mm. um, you know, could you give us like a little bit of a a sense of the breadth of youth ministry mm. across the Catholic Church in, in this country. So uh, as I say, I'm not expecting you to take us into every corner of that, but no. but broadly sort of what kind of activities yeah. uh, take place? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And breadth and depth and width is absolutely the, the right way of explaining it. There's so much going on. I mean, it would be um, 
very typical in many instances to our uh, other denominations many kind of local youth groups coming out of local churches, local parishes, um, sometimes led by youth workers, sometimes led by priests, um, but also, you know, the context in which I find myself in, which um, is the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, which is basically just a movement within the church. There's so many ministries that are dedicated to working with young people. So that could be youth conferences, that could be um, events specifically for them to help them grow in faith and discipleship processes. And it's amazing. There's some brilliant things going on in the Catholic world, um, for those of you that don't know. And it's exciting time to be alive. Mm. And, and so just take us into that uh, movement you just described, the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, because mm -hmm. some people will be familiar with it. Yeah. others uh less so it is a really exciting move of god i think and I, and i'd just love you to just unpack it a little bit for us you know what's god been doing in that movement absolutely so the catholic charismatic renewal um has been around for the past around 50 years and this uh, a bit of a history lesson this amazing thing happened where um the pope at the time prayed this incredible prayer that the holy spirit would come through the church as by a new pentecost and basically what started to happen was the holy spirit to come started to come in really powerful ways in catholic context now the Catholic Charismatic Renewal is, is Catholic by theology, and we don't believe anything that's outside of the Catholic Church, but our big emphasis and big teaching is on living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So that's mm. primarily what my job is, is that I want to see Catholics all around the world, young Catholics particularly, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit and living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit every day, you know, living in the fruits of the Holy Spirit and activating uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in their daily lives. So there's um, there's so much activity that happens across the networks and the prayer groups and the ministries within the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in, uh, in, the, in the world. Mm. You and I have had some really interesting conversations uh recently about unity mm. and i know yes. you have a huge passion for unity and ecumenism mm -hmm. um and and you know when you and i kind of might i don't know stand next to each other at a, at a worship event or something or uh, you know if we're involved in an event together yeah um we there wouldn't be very much like clear blue water between our theologies what we're passionate about uh, how we relate to God, like in, and I'm not trying to sort of airbrush in any way the differences, mm. but it does seem like there's so much that we have in common. But I've just, I've, you know, we've had this conversation before, yeah, and I, I feel like you've encouraged me to embrace the differences as well as see yeah. the, the, the places where we're the same. Yeah, definitely. I'm so passionate about that. I mean, of course, first and foremost, unity will come from love. So we have to we have to be loving our brother and sister. You know, that's the most important thing is that I'd embrace you as my brother, Martin. And I think concentrating on what we have in common um, and our faith in Jesus is absolutely the most important. But we mustn't shy away when we're in that place of trust and friendship and relationship from talking about the things that we, we do do differently. Because I believe that 
it can create this rich tapestry of how we learn to look like Jesus and how to follow him. And I know that there are things in my Catholic identity which I have to bring um, and I'm proud to bring, you know, things, parts of um, the way I pray, parts of the way that I practice church um, that can really enrich the lives of those that aren't Catholic. So I, I think friendship, trust is absolutely at the core where we can concentrate on the what's what we have in common. But let's not be afraid to talk about the things that are slightly different, too. I think that's wonderful. And I, I remember last time we talked about this, it, it reminded me of that kind of slightly misguided idea of talking about race where you say oh I don't see I don't see color because I'm colorblind yeah uh, and actually there's something very problematic and uh, uh there's something about that that sort of denies the the glorious depth and richness yeah. and beauty of how we're all made differently and how we're all unique and that that extends to uh denominations as well I think yeah I couldn't agree more I think Actually, the fact that we come from different church backgrounds and we're here to talk about Jesus, that is a powerful thing in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we could just completely blur the lines and say, oh, Martin and Pitt both love Jesus, then there's no difference here. But mm. instead, if we're we're from this different background and we're coming together in unity, that can create that can just do remarkable things. So I think mm. let's not let's not ignore it. I would I would absolutely say that. Let's not be um denomination blind. Having said that, sometimes we can get a little bit too focused on it. Um so mm. there's a balance, isn't there? There's a there's a beautiful balance that we can um that we can live out. I really like that. And I think it's uh, it's very persuasive and it might be something people haven't really thought of before because mm. it's something I hadn't really thought of before we talked. Oh, um, as you say, like the, the idea of like somebody seeing that uh, the Catholic Church in their community and the Anglican Church and the Baptist Church, they those very different groups of people who they know are different in yeah. profound ways, all love the same Jesus and mm. and are all on the same mission together mm. like that is really powerful yeah absolutely and I think that's the thing is that you know ultimately Jesus said that we would win the world for him through our love of one another and mm. so you know we have to we have to be reminded of those words in John 17 this isn't some wishy-washy love this is for the sake of the world this is so that other people would come to know the Jesus that we love and that we've put our trust in. So uh, unity is extremely important. Yeah, I'm feeling the fire right now. I can't <laughs> imagine. I can't imagine what Rachel Gardner's doing right now listening to this. She'd be squealing. Um, so uh, so we actually wanted to talk a little bit about what youth ministry has looked like, yes. maybe in the context that you know well, yeah. um, in in the last, uh, what, nearly a year now of being uh, kind of in the in age of pandemic. Goodness. So do you want to just tell us a few, a few yeah. things that have happened, a few experiments that have been done, a few kind of, a few of the things that you've been involved in? Definitely. I mean, uh, so firstly, it's been it has been such a time of innovation. And I don't think that we can deny that. I'm, I'm remarkably proud of the people that I work with and even of myself. I've adapted so much and seen so many Catholics just kind of go for it in a new way. So that's exciting. Um, one thing I would highlight is um, as part of One Hope Project, so this creative worship collective that I help lead, 
Uh, mm. We were really passionate to help young people worship at home because not going to church has been really taxing, particularly for Catholics. Going to church on a Sunday is really important. And so we wanted to help people um, engage with God at home alongside going to mass online we launched a service a youtube service called uh, one hope project gather and it was just a time where we pre-recorded some worship we heard uh, we heard a talk and we we yeah we gave people an opportunity to worship the lord and we really worked i hope we worked on people's faith you know raising young people's faith that jesus can meet with them at home so that was something really exciting and that was new in a catholic mm. context to provide that so uh, so yeah we launched that and, um, and people can see that just just to, yeah. to butt in there. Sorry, how can people find that? Yes, absolutely. So you can check out all of our all of those gather services on our YouTube channel, One Hope Project, or you can uh, check us out on Instagram or Facebook and all the like. And uh, yeah, we've got some really exciting things coming up. Um, one, I'll just mention that we we're launching a, an academy, a worship academy, which is about. Um, seeing accomplished spirit-filled catholic worshipers in local churches so mm. we're starting that in january and that's really exciting too amazing amazing right sorry i interrupted you no. so uh that was one of about three i think <laughs> yeah i have been crazily busy i envy people who have been able to relax a little bit more over this time <sighs> but um something else i suppose i wanted to highlight uh, in answer to your question martin was um so my boyfriend is a catholic primary school teacher and he he helps oversee the kind of teaching of the faith at his school and mm -hmm. um every week at school most catholic primary schools would have what's called collective worship which is uh, an assembly a whole school assembly to hear the word of god to pray and to worship jesus and because of covid they couldn't be meeting together in these assemblies. And it meant that the classroom teachers uh, were having to teach the faith. And many of our classroom teachers, many Catholic primary school teachers, don't either have the faith themselves or have the confidence to speak to the kids about Jesus. So we came up with this idea to simply create virtual assemblies that any classroom teacher could go onto the website and press play and it's all there for them so the gospel is read we um one of the gospels um and then we we do a little reflection on it we have a time of prayer and we have a worship song and we called it the mark 10 mission because in mark 10 um, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And that this is that's what this is all about. And um, we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of schools all around the UK um, use this material in their primary schools at the moment. And it's really uh, blessing people. So it's been a remarkable thing to watch. That's the amazing. Mm, praise God. So I, I've had a little look at this because you, uh, you know, you shared a little bit of uh, uh, when it first first uh, you first started releasing them. Yeah. And uh, and it, first of all, it looks fantastic. You're great at it. You're great at kind of fronting this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. CBD's um, presenter. Eat your heart. You are, it's you are new little... for me. <laughs> I could see you on CBB's if I'm honest. Um, but my I mean, I, I'm sorry. I liked what you did. But the star of the show uh -huh. is you've got this like cool uh, guitar playing uh, priest. Guy yeah, Franciscan Friar. 
Yeah, what? So tell us about him because he is like he's the hidden yeah, secret he's of the gem. Exactly. Ignore us. He's really that. Yeah. So we teamed up with our friends, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, who are based in Bradford. They're also in London, and they're all over the world. And they're this remarkable um, bunch of friars who are um, dedicated to serving the poor and to preaching the gospel. And many of them are very good friends of ours. And so Father Gabriel, he leads the worship in every of the, all of the episodes. And yeah, he he's a remarkable man who's full of the but Holy Spirit. It's not a sort of hymn. It's not an old hymn. It's like a it's like a modern worship song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, oh, wait, he's singing uh, Reckless Love at the top of his lungs, no doubt about and, it. And I think that's amazing that you're able to get that kind of a, a very different idea of what worship music might be into all those schools i think that's amazing yeah absolutely and songs like you know we know worship songs are simple and easy to sing along with so we want these mm. kids to have that experience too so yeah that's been great right you got one more thing haven't you yeah one more thing i just wanted to highlight so the ascent is um this amazing discipleship process a three-year discipleship process for Catholic young people in years 10 to 12. And I help uh, oversee the prayer for the ascent. And I just wanted to highlight some, I guess some really exciting stories about how most of the time um, the ascent meets online. It's been meeting online since 2013. So this hasn't been a new thing moving online, but the weekend aways um, normally obviously happen in, in the flesh and we've had to do those online too and I just have been really excited to see how the Holy Spirit has broken out into these young Catholics lives you know they we normally do a prayer room every weekend away and um, with all night all night prayer and we thought right okay let's try and do this all night prayer but online and so we were seeing you know young people in year 11 sign up to a slot at some crazy hour in the morning 2 a.m they do an hour of prayer and then they don't want to leave they don't want to leave their screens because they're having such an amazing time of prayer mm -hmm. and and so just i think it's really it called me to account really of like my faith levels you know young people can engage with god via a screen and the holy spirit can do all things so i think it's just we need to be working on our yeah working on our faith levels really like the lord can do anything and that's really exciting to see that is really exciting and i guess just what you said there about like we need to work on our faith levels obviously mm. we have all lacked faith that god can work through a mm. screen but i wonder whether even more than that we've We've sometimes lacked the faith that God can really break through into a young person's life yeah. um, if we just ask them to worship or mm. pray. You know, yeah. so often we've thought, oh, we've got to really make it exciting and flashy and entertaining. Yeah. And we haven't had the faith that God will just quietly break yeah. into a young person's life and have them praying at 3 a.m. But yeah. more and more, I think through the last year, what I've noticed and what you know you're clearly seeing is that when you get you simply have the courage to invite a young person directly into the presence of God, yep. amazing things happen. Amen. I mean, I had I had a, a, a young guy who's probably, I think he's 20, call me a few weeks ago saying, Pip, I really want to learn how to follow Jesus. Please, can you teach me? Because I listened to Good Good Father a few weeks ago and was completely undone at the goodness of God. And he mm. gave his life to Jesus in his bedroom and wow. he was calling me up saying how can I how can I follow the Lord <laughs> so
So, wow. you know, there are some amazing things going on. And young people, yes, it is hard to, we are all a bit disillusioned by this whole online church thing. It's really, it is difficult. I'm not diminishing that. But mm. I also, we're seeing pockets of real, real life faith and hope rising up in this next generation. So um, I'm holding on to those stories to keep me going. I am not prone to big outbursts of emotion, Rachel. Oh my goodness. But what's coming? Oh, I tell you what, like when we talk to our friends, brothers, mm. sisters in different bits of the church and, yes, come and, on. and you sort of see the different shades <laughs> yeah. of, of, of glorious yeah. diversity and wonderfulness that are going on across the church. All these people united in that same mission. Mm of loving God first and then loving young people in his name. I'm just, I, I get a little bit choked up by it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like this is a mighty army mm, of, it is. of people who often, often we're slightly unable to see quite how many of us are, yes, are committing ourselves point. and are yes, passionately yeah. throwing ourselves into this task. And sometimes... So there's lots of good things about denominations, but one of the challenges is sometimes we can slightly miss what everyone else is doing yes. and misread the fact that we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to do the same mission. Yes. And so the wonderful thing about, I mean, here's one of the great tragedies of not being able to have a national youth ministry weekend this year. You know, one of the wonderful things about being able to get everybody together in a room and you, you suddenly see that stuff mm. firsthand up mm. close and you're, and it's incredibly, it's a comfort, but it's also incredibly inspiring. It mm. keeps you going, gives you more vision. Um, and hopefully this episode of the Youthgate podcast has done a little of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I do think, because like, like 10 years ago, I was playing with the notion that maybe for the sake of the unity of the church, denominationalism has to die. And I think denominationalism, where you are more devoted to your denomination than you are to the fact that you're part of the body of Christ, that, that does have to die. But the denominations and the way that different denominations express different kind of nuance and emphasis, and, and actually that is a beautiful vehicle for our unity. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful vehicle for our unity. And I think one of the lovely things is that God, God enables us to create culture. And the culture of denominations is one of these wonderful ways that we organise ourselves, mm. that we become, as you say, this wonderful army of light mm. where things on the ground happen. So Salvation Army food banks and you know worship events. And, and I think it's extraordinary, kind of the breadth of what we do. So you're, you're right. I think you and I are both very moved actually thinking we know these people and we love these people. Mm. And it's really exciting mm. moving forward that, that we can do this together. That's really good. I was in a prayer meeting and, and retreat day the other day with, uh, that you had organised Rachel, yes. with a bunch of other um, oh, yes, right. leaders of, of different um, youth ministry organizations, but also denominations. And, and just to see the diversity, the talent, the gifting, the mm. devotion, the passion for this stuff. I mean, we have got the most amazing resources in mm. youth ministry leadership across we this do. country. And that filters right down yeah. uh, through um, to everybody on the front line. Yeah. You know, there are so many brilliant gifted people all giving themselves to this mission. And, uh, and I think take, here's a little challenge. 
take some time today to pray for the people in your community that aren't your tribe, that aren't your bit of the church, but mm. are, are giving themselves to that same mission with everything they have because Love they're it. just the same. Love they're just it. the same as you. Love it. And I think we should be praying for each other today because that really inspired me to be in that call. So what a celebration to end on that note of absolute celebration. Yes. In Hooray. the beauty of, of being siblings. We are siblings with Jesus. And if with only we could play cool on the gang, but we can't because we can't. copyright. Absolutely. But Martin is now going to liturgically dance to that wonderful track so that can be your lasting image <laughs> as do, you step away from the podcast i'll do a silent interpretive dance <laughs> of calling the game oh the hamster's come out he's Celebrate. got the hamster he's, he's dancing with the hamster earth are you talking about i would think like grab the hamster cup it in not in the south never in the south <laughs>